www.thepeopleshow.com. This is Chris Evans with a Storage Unpacked podcast, and I'm here today with Rob Lee from Pure Storage. Rob, how are you doing? Doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me. So you got a new job title since the last time we spoke. I do, I do. It's. Uh, I, I think we've uh, we haven't spoken in five years almost. Uh, it's, it's, been... tr- it's true, five years since we've actually done a podcast recording. Last bumped into each other in Austin at a lovely barbecue. What when we had a, a which one? What check seller it was? I can't remember exactly. I think that was but... twenty nineteen in Austin, down the hill from the site. Yeah, great barbecue yeah. site. And then before that, uh, I think we last recorded at a, a pretty funky looking warehouse in, in San Francisco. We did, uh, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that, and that was actually funny enough. That was Flashblade two point Funny enough. So we'll come on to what we're going to talk about today. But yeah, let's talk about you for a second. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, it's it's been a tremendous ride. Um, you know, since we spoke last, uh, you know, I've worn a couple hats throughout, um, you know, th- through within the company. Um, these days serving as CTO, uh, looking over our uh, product strategy uh, across Flashblade, uh, Flash Array, uh, now Portworx as well, uh, and, and spending a, a great deal of time looking at uh, future investment areas for the company. So having a lot of fun and um, yeah, it's a pleasure to be back. Excellent. Right. So we're here today because you've got a big announcement today. Would you like to tell everybody what that is? Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, more than one. Actually, I was going to say a couple, yeah. a couple of big announcements we made today. Uh, yeah. So you know, and, and and in a lot of ways they fit well together. Right. So number one is, uh, you know, significant new announcement in the Flash Blade family, um, and and we think of this as a almost a multi generational step forward uh, in Flash Blade, Flash Blade S. Uh, so we'll talk a okay. lot about that. But significant hardware invent- advancement, significant uh, flexibility and modularity we're bringing into that platform. And one of the things that that flexibility and modularity uh, unlocks is the ability to deliver more of the evergreen goodness within the Flashblade family. And so going along with that, uh, we've also uh, done a number of things to really bolster the, fl- uh, the evergreen portfolio. Uh, number one is a bit of a rebranding of okay. our existing evergreen um, offerings with evergreen uh, forever and evergreen one. And then the the second is a significant new offering within the evergreen umbrella, which is evergreen flex, uh, which, you know, we believe and, and, you know, what we've heard from customers is that it creates a lot of, uh, a lot of flexibility for them in terms of consumption capacity planning, as well as fleet wide flexibility. So happy to dive into to both of those exciting announcements. Excellent. So we'll, we'll, we'll do the evergreen stuff in a moment. But let's talk about Flashblade first. Now, funny enough, probably three or four weeks ago, we did a recording with Justin Emerson, where we were talking about sustainability, power and all the rest of it. And I mistakenly described Flashblade as the unstructured product, and Flash Array as the block product. And he sort of corrected me and said, well, we tend to think of it now as the scale up and the scale out products. So Flashblade, though, originally was the unstructured platform for object and for file. And I guess still is. So it might be worth just having a little bit of history about that for people who maybe don't don't know that. Just a little bit of background. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I'll take you back to the beginning because that's how I, I came to Pure in 2013. Uh, we had just started shipping Flash Array, and we we're looking, uh, setting our sights at, hey, what's what comes next? And you know, really, since the early days, we did think about it as scale up versus scale out. You know, when we uh, first launched that product in 2016, I believe at our, our Accelerate event there, um, we did focus on file and object unstructured data, uh, mostly because we saw that as the biggest need uh, for scale out and high bandwidth type applications. 
uh, you know, since then, uh, you know, and I think the last time we recorded in 2017, that was uh, kind of the second generation of, uh, of Flashblade. I think about 10x uh, uh, capacity and scale increase. Uh, it's been a it's been an awesome march since then. We've we've uh, continued to grow uh, scale, capacity, performance, uh, and really take that um, that product, Flashblade, from uh, inception in 2016 to you know over a billion dollars in sales. Uh, you know, as we announced in, in 2021. You know, architecturally speaking, though. You know, we really do think of it as scale up and scale out, and I, and I think what you see in Flashblade S, uh, what we've launched today, is also an, an evolution from thinking of Flashblade as a single product to really evolving into a product family, right? And so, um, nice. you know, within Flashblade S, you know, we have multiple different product offerings uh, within that, and I think of that as somewhat analogous to if you look at Flash Array, we've got you know XL, we've got X90, we've got you know X70 all the way through, all the way into the Cs. With Flashblade S, we're we're now seeing a similar, uh, you know, a similar spread within that family. And so, if we step back from it, right, we really do think of you know the two product lines as uh, scale up in Flash Array, scale out in Flashblade. Within each of those families, you've got you know different points along the price, performance, capacity spectrum. Um, and we believe that between those two families, you know, we can really address uh, the vast majority of customers, you know, workload needs. Okay, brilliant. So Flashblade S brings us along to the sort of the naming standard we've seen with some of the other platforms, you know, the nice slash slash and a letter. I'm not sure what the S stands for, if it stands for anything other than scale out, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you, might be able to, you might be able to say that there is something there, but there's quite a major architectural change with this platform. You know, having looked at the detail of it, people might look at it and think, oh, this looks like an almost completely different platform, but really it's an evolution of the platform that you had before for, for good reasons, isn't it? You know, it, it is. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll start with a naming because, uh, you know, that is, that is one that we, uh, you know, get quite a bit, you know, I, I would say we chose, we chose the S really to mirror the, you know, three of the core pillars that we started with Flashblade, uh, but then also bring in a fourth S, which has become increasingly important over time, uh, which is sustainability. Uh, but when we first started uh, with Flashblade, we really focused on, you know, speed, simplicity, uh, and scale uh, and scalability. And one of the ethos, one of the things that we focused on in building this next generation of Flashblade, which we've named S, is taking the things that Flashblade is great at today, uh, or yesterday, I should say, uh, and doubling down on them and making them even better. And so we really wanted to highlight that through the name. Uh, and then bringing in uh, sustainability, because uh, again, that that is uh, both a topic of increasing interest uh, for customers today, uh, but it's also something that you know I think we're uniquely differentiated uh, in, in being able to offer uh, customers with you know the, the lower power footprint, the you know lower you know e-waste production, and just the longer service lifetimes uh, of our products. So you know, as far as the naming, it's really the, the combination of those um, okay. those four things. Fair enough. So in terms of the hardware, then how's this different to the previous platform? Yeah, uh, boy, we could we could probably spend where do hours we start? on this. Yeah, where yeah. do we start? So, so let me let me let me kick you off on one area that I thought was very interesting, and that's the disaggregation of the compute and storage. So previously, anybody who's not aware, the design of the infrastructure was bladed. Each blade's got compute storage on it, but they're fairly sort of fixed in the sense that the compute and the storage are connected together. So you have a fault, you pull a blade, you put another blade in. You've changed that model somewhat in the current design. 
Yeah, uh, so I think that's a great place to start. So, you know, I think the the biggest changes uh, hardware-wise and really across the whole platform is, you know, the disaggregation of that uh, bladed compute and the attached storage. And what we really wanted to focus on was creating a lot more uh, modularity, configurability uh, options, and flexibility for customers. Um, that helps in the upfront configuration. Uh, it helps in serviceability. Like you mentioned, if you do have a fault, it, yep. it gives you different um, uh, ways to address that. Um, it also gives you a lot more flexibility in, in being able to evolve over time, right? You can start out with a certain ratio, if you will, of compute and storage. And if your needs change, if you uh, want to grow in one aspect or the other, you get a lot more flexibility, a lot more degrees of freedom uh, to move. The Lastly, it also brings in and enables quite a bit of flexibility in terms of evergreen uh, advancement, right? This idea that, hey, uh, by disaggregating the compute and the storage, uh, you're now able to take advantage of you know, future evolutions and, and improvements in compute hardware networking independently of having to uh, replace the storage or, or the, you know, move the data associated uh, with, that, with that blade. And so I would say from a hardware perspective that decoupling, that modularity and flexibility uh, was the biggest change. Now, you know, on the other hand, uh, I mentioned before, we wanted to take uh, a lot of the aspects that uh, customers love and, and I think are working really well for us today uh, and really double down on those and, and enhance those. And, and I think uh, a number of those I could call out, but uh, the two that top to, uh, bubble to the top of the list, I, I would say, would be, uh, number one, uh, the simplicity of the bladed architecture, right? Customers love the fact that, hey, I can increase capacity performance in the system just by slotting a new element. And two, going hand in hand with that is the integrated networking, right? Um, right. You know, the, the fact that it isn't a huge cabling exercise, you know, you're not uh, reconfiguring DNS load balancers and, and, and whatnot um, every time you're making a hardware configuration change. Uh, so we wanted to keep those aspects, but we wanted to bring in a, a lot more flexibility, a lot more modularity, um, and give customers, uh, you know, a lot more degrees of freedom, both in initial configuration um, and how they want to address their differing performance or capacity needs, uh, but also uh, a lot more you know, future-proofing, if you will, right? A, a lot more degrees of freedom in how they want to evolve that uh, deployment over time. Yeah, I think that's really important to bear in mind that the, the architecture hasn't changed in the sense that it's still bladed architecture. The scale-out is still exactly the same. Really what you're doing is you're addressing some of those, as you said, sustainability points. So the thing I looked at that and sort of saw was, well, what happens if I... I need more compute power or I want more storage. I've now got the ability to scale those independently. I've got the ability to rebalance things on a slightly different structure so that if I want to, for example, put more compute blades in and only partially fill those with storage, I could now do that. So I've got, I've got many more configuration scenarios that I can actually use in the way that I'm building this. But you haven't thrown away the underlying architecture. It's absolutely the same in terms of the way that you've, you've built the system. Absolutely. And not only is it, it, you know, not only is it absolutely the same and not a philosophical change, I would actually go one step further and say that, you know, this type of flexibility is always what we had in mind from the software side of the house. Mm -hmm. um, when we built Flashblade uh, in the beginning, it's just that the hardware wasn't ready for it, right? If you remember back in 2014, 2015, that era when we were building Flashblade uh, initially, this was Pure's first foray, really the industry's first foray into building direct to Flash, right? At the time, you know, when I joined the company, the largest systems, finished systems we were shipping were 11 terabytes in total system size, and that involved expansion shelves. Um, you know, pretty soon we're going to be in a place where, you know, we're not even going to ship single drives, uh, you know, that small, right? Uh, yeah. And so 
you know, if you think back to that point in time, you know, we always had this flexibility, this modularity, you know, and, and the simplicity in mind in terms of what we wanted to bring to scale out. It's just the hardware wasn't quite ready yet. But now as we Fast forward, uh, you know, good six, seven, eight years from, from that point in time, you know, the IP that we developed initially in FlashBlade, we brought back into Flash Array in the form of direct Flash modules and the direct Flash software, incubated and, and really grew within the FlashBlade family, brought QLC technology into direct Flash. Now, a lot of that IP is coming back into FlashBlade in the form of FlashBlade S. And so... You know, what you're seeing is really two things. One is, you know, that that kind of harmonious uh, um, interconnection of IP between the two product families that, you know, is going to drive a lot more consolidation between um, the two product families in terms of the uh, hardware building blocks. Uh, but number two is, you know, really, it's kind of a coming out party for FlashBlade software. This is this is really the the platform that we always intended. We just weren't quite ready to build yet. Yeah. So, so just to give people an idea then, so this will look like, a compute blade with up to four direct flash modules plugged into it. So from a hardware perspective, it'll be slightly slightly different structure, slightly different dimensions on it. But ultimately, you're still using the direct flash modules that you've that you've just said that came sort of almost in a complete circle from here back through uh, flash and back again. So that means that you're still getting all the benefits of you're maintaining that flash ecosystem and you're controlling all of the um, features like the wear leveling and the garbage collection, all of the things, the good things that allow you to control the flash at a much lower and more economic and efficient level. All of that still happens. It's just you're now using the, the direct flash modules that are in the other platforms. So actually yeah, absolutely, now you've got yeah. commonality between the two hardware pieces. So, you know, as a customer, um, by standardizing on uh, the direct flash modules, not only do you get the benefits of uh, access to a greater swath and, and uh, menu of uh, direct flash module types and sizes over time, uh, but with Evergreen Flex, you also get uh, the benefits of, um, you know, more fleet-wide uh, flexibility. Uh, in terms of how you want to utilize those hardware modules over time. Uh, you know, Flex brings in uh, not just, you know, flexibility for a customer to acquire based on, on consumption utilization, but it also gives them the flexibility to redeploy, um, you know, their data packs, their their hardware, their, their assets uh, across arrays uh, within their fleet. And that could be arrays uh, within the same array family, within Flash Array. Uh, but as we move forward and standardize between the array families on the same uh, direct Flash module uh, building blocks, it also gives them the flexibility to redeploy those hardware assets between the product families uh, separately from uh, the consumption-based uh, software and, and subscription um, uh, elements. So this, this actually is a really important fact uh, factor to look at because if you look back at the way historically, and I'm sure this has been driven by customers, and it, it's really worth going back over and talking about this again. If you look at the way that people would have deployed relatively large infrastructure in different environments. So for instance, when I was a customer, we would deploy tens hundreds of arrays in you know many different data centers a lot of the time in the same data center in fact and you'd end up with a situation where resource would be stranded or isolated in different places and you couldn't necessarily move stuff from one place to another so you did a lot more moving of the data and the applications and trying to build in some sort of um, migration strategy around that but also you created challenges for yourself where sometimes a host would be sp sp uh, spanning two arrays and that didn't work you know for replication purposes and re resiliency that was a terrible idea so we would do all the, the all the front end work in order to make the back end work work 
if that's a, if that makes sense to you <laughs> when in reality what we would have preferred is the back end did all the work so that the front end didn't have to change so yeah well absolutely what you, that's and what I, you've enabled yeah, absolutely and, and, I, and i think that's um you know i think that's a large part of uh, what we see and, and hear from customers is you know to your exactly to your point historically uh, customers have had to you know morph and reshape the consumers around the resources uh, which is a quite painful act. And, you know, I think with Evergreen Flex, uh, what we've really enabled and, and I, I hopefully shines through is um, really two things that uh, I think differentiate the pure technology set. Uh, number one is, you know, well, A, the, the technology and the products uh, are flexible like this, that we can easily redeploy assets and you can move data packs from one array to another and we can very fluidly migrate and, and, and kind of consume that capacity. Um, and that's really been uh, core to the Evergreen ethos since day one. But then, you know, number two, uh, when you think about how you would combine that, the flexibility to move and shift resources within the system with the intelligence that we can drive from pure one, and their intelligent recommendations we can we can give you know we really want to be able to empower uh you know our, our customers our users uh to be able to to flip that on its head instead of uh, forcing their internal customers and consumers to morph and move around the resources we want to move that flexibility into the resource layer and have the resources reshape themselves around where the where the consumption needs uh, are and, and i think with flex we're really kind of coupling um the intelligence you get from pure one the capability that you get from uh, the core product set uh and, and we're bringing that forward in uh, an evergreen business model yeah i mean that that's not going to be guesswork from our position that we used to be I mean, it used to be that you'd sit around and you look at it yourself and you'd make all these decisions and think we could move this here here and here and it'd be like one of those little boards where there's a spare slot and you're sort of moving things around to try and work you know getting lined up pure one gives you that ability to see everything in one big uh, one big overall view and then to make strategy decisions about a what you should buy b how you now now as it will happen b how you could actually move stuff around i mean that you know is the power to look at your assets and use them efficiently and i think that ties into the sustainability discussion you, you mentioned earlier you know not having resources on the ground that are wasted keeping your costs down keeping it efficient but also at the same time delivering a, a service to the customer that actually works in a way that doesn't mean that the end user is always being hamstrung because they have to just take whatever's available so i think all of those things are really important and they become i think will be massive differentiators going forward if vendors are not offering that sort of feature and functionality you're not differentiating yourself from anybody else and you're certainly not working towards what the goals of the public cloud have been able to achieve yeah absolutely and and you know i think one thing you keyed on on there uh, which i want to double click on is is the sustainability angle right i, I yeah. think you know you absolutely identified a t you know uh, one or two key areas of, of sustainability I, I think you know when i step back uh, you know I, I think that's an underappreciated element of what we're offering customers in both um, really across the product sets I think there's three areas where you know we really stand uh, out in terms of uh, sustainability and, and driving true change uh, for customers. Number one is, at the end of the day, sustainability is all about efficiency, right? Uh, and and mm -hmm. I think people have been focused on efficiency in other terms for some time, right? In, they've measured it in dollar terms. They haven't necessarily measured it in, in um, you know environmental terms, in terms of you know power, in terms of e-waste, that sort of thing. Um, I think there's three big drivers to sustainability. We're, we're able to uh, significantly move you know, in terms of the goals. Uh, number one mm -hmm. is 
is utilization, right? I, I think we've just talked yeah. touched on one aspect of utilization, which is stranded capacity. And and I think if you know many customers out there, I think if many users out there, um, you know, were, were to look, you know, at their estates, they would see a lot of stranded capacity with things like Evergreen Flex, with things like uh, Pure Fusion. We're really breaking down those silos, and, and that creates a lot of uh, sustainability benefits. Uh, number two is the lifespan, right? The with Evergreen, with um, you know, just by moving away from this idea that you know, hey, I buy an asset and I should already be planning for the end of life and the replacement of that and moving more towards an evergreen mindset of, hey, you know, I'm buying into a journey that is, you know, and I'm buying into a product that's just, just, that's just going to keep getting better incrementally over time, drives much longer lifespans and, and reduces not just waste associated with the storage part of the system, but also the areas around uh, the storage, right? If if you're ripping and replacing, you know, a large storage estate, that's a natural time you're going to redesign the sand fabric. It's a natural time you're going to replace the hosts and 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 servers. When that storage array just gets better and better incrementally over time, you end up cutting down on a lot of that external uh, waste uh, uh, generation. And then the third aspect, which is a, a very very significant lever, uh, perhaps the most significant lever uh, when it comes to power reduction, is just the density and efficiency we're yeah. able to deliver. Right, and and uh, you've seen that with Flash Race C, and then now by bringing those same QLC modules into Flash Blade, um, you're going to see those same benefits uh, coming into Flash Blade uh, S. Right. If you just look at the raw density we're able to deliver now with within a single chassis form factor, uh, you know, just shy of two petabytes raw, that's tremendous, right? It, it, you know, if you think about, you know, uh, if if I can deliver two petabytes raw behind, uh, you know, fewer CPU cores, less DRAM, less sheet metal, and, and still drive high performance, you know, that's really what creates, uh, you know, significant sustainability and environmental benefits. Uh, so it's really yeah, those three things that that we're uh, driving. I agree with that, and I think ultimately that th those sort of things are going to become much more relevant to customers who still want to have a good reason to maintain their own data centers, and we're going to have to find good reasons reasons to you know offer those sort of features because things like power is going to be continue to be expensive and and I'll remind people and I'll put it in the show notes that we we did have this recording with Justin a few weeks ago which is well worth going to listen to because it talks about a lot of this we don't necessarily need to go over that again go and listen to that one and you'll find out all about it let's just finish on the uh, the flash blood s side of things then and just ask the question about how this fits into the, the wider ecosystem. So I know that, for example, in the Airy model that you had previously, FlashBlade would be the underlying component to that. How does this, the new system fit into those kinds of ecosystems? Oh, I mean, it, it fits fits in hand and glove, right? And, and I think, you know, at, at the baseline, it just makes all the solutions uh, that much better and, and faster. You know, one of the things that uh, we wanted to do with FlashBlade S, and, and you see it in the product configurations, is by decoupling the storage and compute, we wanted to be able to address a wider range of the performance and capacity uh, spectrum, if you will, right? So if you if you look at the, the landscape of workloads, some that are much more higher performance demand some that are much more capacity oriented and, and lower performance demanding, you know, with FlashBlade, we were able to chart, I would say, a good swath of, of that of that two space, you know, between the eight terabyte blades originally, the 17 and then the 52 terabyte blades. But now, you know, going back to our early discussion with the myriad of, of configurability options that we have uh, uh, available to us now with the FlashBlade S platform, we're able to not just expand much higher into the performance range, not just expand much higher into the capacity range, uh, but we're able to do both within the same platform. 
And so as we think about the solution sets that you know are key to Flashblade, whether it's AI and analytics with Airy, whether it's um, you know data protection and rapid restore, uh, whether it's uh, healthcare and PACs or life sciences or technical computing, you know, each of those workloads, each of those solution sets sit in different spots, right, if you will, of that performance and capacity optimization to space. And so, you know, one of the things that Flashblade S really does is allow us to more specifically tailor and customize, you know, uh, the Flashblade configurations to each of those, each of those solution sets. So, you know, net net, yeah, it makes each of them better and faster, yeah. um, bigger, and uh, and we're able to more specifically tailor and optimize the configuration to, you know, the price points, the capacity points, the performance points that that those different solutions demand. I think that's really important because, you know, until you mentioned the data protection one there, of course, it's easy to forget that the Flash is a great solution for data protection if you can make it cost effective. You know, it comes down to that scenario that yes, you want rapid restore. But now, if you start looking at, say, QLC models, the really high capacity QLC models you potentially could put together and put into the system, you could have a load of those in there serving your data protection requirements, but then you could have potentially other uh, modules serving other requirements. It doesn't seem to me like you have to say, I have to buy a system just for this. You know, I don't know whether partition, system partitioning is available to that degree yet, but you know, you can sort of see where this, where this is headed in that scenario. Absolutely. I won't paint too much of, of what the future looks like, but uh, you know, I think if you look at our history, you've seen that we've built denser and denser and larger and larger modules over time. Uh, no reason to think that won't continue. And, and you know, as we've talked about already, uh, one of the things that we wanted to unlock uh, significantly with this platform, and I think we have, is a great deal more flexibility and modularity uh, within the system. And so I think, uh, yeah, safe to assume that, you know, we want to continue increasing those degrees of freedom. Uh, and so as these systems get larger and larger in time, um, no reason to think that, uh, you know, we wouldn't be able to incorporate a much wider variety and, and perhaps even denser uh, flash modules over time. Because, you know, again, getting back to, you know, getting back to the efficiency discussion, right? Whether you're measuring efficiency in, in terms of price and, and density, whether you're measuring efficiency in terms of energy uh, and power utilization, um, there are a lot of benefits, right? If the workload supports, there are a lot of benefits of going to denser and denser systems. And that's absolutely a vector that we're going to continue down. But then at the same time, you know, the degrees of freedom that we get in terms of, hey, do I want to add more blades to the system? Do I want to put one DFM in each of the blades? Do I want to put two, yep. three, four? Do I want to use the densest DFMs. Do I want to use you know slightly smaller DFMs to get a bit a different compute storage ratio? Uh, do I potentially want to add you know higher performance blades and pair those with uh, slightly smaller uh, DFMs to get you know an even higher uh, compute to storage ratio? You've got a lot of degrees of freedom there, uh, and you know getting back to again another aspect of our earlier discussion, um, these were all degrees of freedom. These were all elements of in the scale out software that we always had in mind and had always contemplated. And now with Flashblade S, the hardware is finally kind of uh, unlocking the, those those options for us. And so it's a really exciting uh, launch for us, as you, as you can probably tell. Absolutely. Yeah, entirely. So I have a couple of blog posts that are available as well, which I'll point people to. But that diagram that you meant, you explained, Rob, just where you're talking about that spread 
on a sort of a, a 2D axis, you know, an XY axis, the ability to be high capacity or higher performance and have a wider spread. I'll, I'll make sure I include that in there so that people can see that just to make sure they understand what that looks like. Um, okay, let's talk about Evergreen then, because we, so we've talked about the hardware. It sounds, you know, that's, there's, there's lots to dig, in, to dig into and on an um, audio medium, we can't necessarily visually represent that, but there'll be lots of material for people to go and look at and see the pictures of it and all the rest of it. But I think it's interesting to understand how the consumption model has changed because we've talked a lot in that discussion over the last sort of half an hour about how you've given the system more modularity, more flexibility, how you could use Pure One to work out how to you know, potentially move stuff around. But you need the, the financial model to go with that that allows you to, to make those choices. And I think you've done a lot of rebranding around Evergreen, haven't you, to make that work? Yeah, yeah. So we, we've done a, we've done a, a two significant things uh, around Evergreen. One is a bit of rebranding and bringing um, bringing more clarity into uh, you know our I would say portfolio of subscription offerings. Uh, and the number two is um, you know I think filling a very important point along the spectrum of Evergreen. And let me kind of explain what that looks like. You know I think part of the reason why uh, we did the rebranding and uh, brought uh, what was formerly known as Pure as a Service under the Evergreen umbrella is that we really look at at uh, Pure as a Service, or, or now Evergreen One, as the ultimate kind of evolution of where Evergreen kind of goes. Taking one step back from that, right? If we think about Evergreen, uh, what is that? Well, it, it's really two things. It's it's an architecture. It's also a product philosophy and an ethos. It's the idea that you know when we sell an array, when we sell a product, when we deliver um, you know service to a customer. It should be something that doesn't have a fixed lifetime, and it's it should be something that you know a customer doesn't pick up day one and start planning for replacing you know in, in year three or four. And so, what does that mean? It means that uh, you know a customer needs to be able to expect to you know deploy it once, continuously be able to upgrade it in place uh, without taking downtimes, without taking disruptions. It, it means that the product and the technology has to be designed to uh, not only support those non-disruptive upgrades and, and continuous evolution. Um, but it needs to be future-proofed, right? It needs to be designed uh, with next generation and, and really two or three generations ahead of hardware in mind. And so that idea of a multi-generational lifespan combined with uh, the ability to evolve and grow and, and upgrade uh, non-disruptively, that's what gives customers investment protection, right? And so at the end of the day, you know, Evergreen is this ethos that, hey, you know, all of our uh, products, all of our service offerings need to deliver uh, on that promise, right? And so that's kind of our baseline. That's a starting point. And so that's really been, you know, key to Pure's offerings uh, since almost day one. Um, with Pure as a Service, uh, or you know, formerly known as Pure as a Service Evergreen One, you know, we kind of take that to uh, its natural evolution and conclusion, which is to say, not only do our products and services continuously just uh, get better and better, but they also embody all of the other aspects of what you would expect from a true SaaS service. It's something that uh, is not just continuously uh, and transparently getting better, not just always online, not just always meeting your needs, but it's almost invisible, right? It's almost uh, transparent. Uh, and so with Pure as a Service uh, or, or Evergreen One, um, what we're kind of taking that to is uh, a full service level based transaction model with customers, right? So where customers are uh, truly 
consuming in that in that cloud operating model of coming to us and saying, hey, this is my SLA, here are my performance requirements, this is how much I'm consuming and I'm gonna pay by utilization. If that changes over time, hey, Pierre, you, you go figure that out. If you have to add uh, capacity, if you need to you know make adjustments to the system to deliver even more performance, you go do that. Uh, I'm just gonna concentrate on that on that service level agreement. And so prior to, to today's announcements, those were kind of the two bookends uh, of our Evergreen portfolio. And right? so number one, we're doing a bit of rebranding and bringing uh, both of those offerings under the Evergreen uh, brand. Uh, so we're rebranding Evergreen Gold into Evergreen Forever. And then with Pure as a Service, you know, as that is the kind of one natural evolution and, and, and endpoint, if you will, of Evergreen, uh, we're rebranding that to be Evergreen One. The other thing that we're doing, uh, which is quite significant, is if you think about Evergreen Forever and Evergreen One as kind of two ends of a spectrum, we also uh, are introducing a new offering kind of in the midpoint of that spectrum uh, right. called Evergreen Flex. And this is something for customers that, you know, I, I would say want to move towards an Evergreen One model, but for a variety of reasons aren't quite, aren't quite there yet. And so with Evergreen Flex, uh, we're able to bring in a lot of the flexibility that customers would get with Evergreen One in terms of avoiding upfront capacity planning, avoiding you know getting locked into an upfront idea of hey how am I going to deploy my hardware assets uh, and you know giving them the flexibility to move and flex and, and grow over time, uh, but then still give them the control and management of uh, owning title to the hardware assets and and the run and operate pieces. Um, so hopefully okay, that so, that kind of gives yeah, a, so a good I, context. If I if I can sort of put it in my sort of my terms, I can see and I think you have a diagram for this where you have a, a diagram where you draw a nice sort of continuum that shows the, the old way where you would have bought the asset and only owned that asset and would have bought the software with that asset, all the way down to the idea of complete as a service where you don't own any of the asset and you pay for consumption. And, it, and each of these services are in between to meet your financial business or whatever needs. And the middle ground, uh, the new flex offering seems to me to fit in where customers say, well, I want the flexibility now to say, do you know what, I've got capacity over there and I can move it around, especially now with a new flash blade feature. But actually, I still want, as you, you mentioned, you know, hardware ownership because I need title to that hardware because legally I need to do it from, you know, uh, if I'm a financial company, that might still be a legal thing I have to do, or I have to I have to do it for risk or whatever whatever reason. But I want flexibility within the hardware I bought. So I still want I want the abstraction of the hardware to the degree that I can do what I want with it, but I still want to own it. So it it sort of fits that middle ground as far as I can see in this instance. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, I think you keyed in on two important things there, right? So one is it fits a model where customers, yeah, they, they need to hold title to the asset, but they want a lot of that flexibility. And then number two is that that concept of you know, fleet-wide mobility, that concept yeah. of, hey, you know, I, I own a bunch of arrays, I own a bunch of hardware assets, and, you know, my thesis day one of, of where I was going to deploy those data packs or that, that hardware, you know, maybe that changes over time. And, and I want that flexibility to be able to move and um, redeploy those assets, not just within a product family, right, not just across flash array uh, arrays, but now as we're standardizing on the same DFM technology, uh, potentially even moving between Flash Blade and, and Flash Array C, right? And so uh, Flex, I think, I think um, you know, opens a lot of those degrees of freedom uh, for customers. 
And I think as, as a customer, I'd look at it and think of things like if I wasn't on the complete as a service model where you're making all those decisions and you've got to decide how you rebalance everything because you're the one providing the technology on my, on my, in my data center, you're going to use all of the, ex, the advantages of that flexibility in order to deliver your service efficiently. Why shouldn't I have the ability as a customer to do that if I've decided that I want a degree of ownership of the hardware? And as you said, businesses get to a position where they've got no real clue how things are going to really trend out. They might think they have an idea of growth, but then somebody says to you, do you know what, all of those things that are sitting over there could go into that system because they're smaller modules, they're more effective there, and then we'll buy new somewhere else or vice versa. And it's always very difficult to do that and think, I'll push that all over to somewhere else and keep using it there because buying the new stuff will be more efficient than buying more of the old stuff and trying to swap it all around. Flexibility hits that all of the points we talked about earlier, the sustainability, you know, the, the cost optimization and everything else that goes with it. And this is the financial model that brings them all together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I'll just say, I, I think that more and more customers, especially uh, over the last couple of years, have realized that, you know, this idea of having to make huge cap upfront capital purchases uh, against a three or four year thesis of what things are going to look like in the future is just incredibly hard to do. I mean, three years ago is 2019. Uh, and, and who thought we'd be where we are today, right? And so I think yeah. customers are uh, definitely appreciating more and more the value that they're getting from, uh, you know, that flexibility and, and ability to evolve uh, as their needs change over time. Absolutely. So do you see customers sort of getting on that journey and thinking, do you know what, I'm quite comfortable now with the next step of the journey. And it does take them a little bit of time to get used to that sort of full as a service model, what will now be called Evergreen one? I guess the way I would frame it is I think we pretty universally see customers, you know, wanting more flexibility and growth and in, in, in kind of deployment and, and what their future looks like. Uh, I, I think that, you know, there's a there's a spectrum, right, uh, of customers in terms of how ready they are to move to full as a service evergreen one type model. Um, I, I think a couple headwinds, right? So I think number one is, um, you know, there are a variety of customers for, you know, whether it's regulatory compliance, control reasons, uh, really need to do, you know, really do need to maintain a lot tighter control over the reins of the run and mm -hmm. operate. And so I think it'll be longer for those customers to, to really embrace a full uh, as a service model, you know, and, and then I think there, um, you know, I think there are also customers that, you know, it'll just take time uh, to get there and build the comfort of, uh, of going from, hey, I know exactly how everything was, uh, you know, uh, tightly configured and form fit to, yes, I'm going to just transact in an SLA and, and you know, uh, you take the wheel. I think part of this is, the industry we're in, right? If you look at you know, a lot of the legacy uh, incumbent vendors, they've put out product sets for years and years and years that have required, you know, stacks of manuals to go and configure and fine tune. If you're coming from a world where that's your that's your baseline of, hey, I've got to go through all these steps in tight configuration to get the system working. And once it's working, don't touch it because, you know, who knows mm. what's going to happen. It takes time, right? It takes time for you to kind of uh, uh, repattern and, and move into a, a full as a service model, right? And so I think Evergreen Flex fits a very nice spot in the middle, if that makes sense. Yeah, I did very well, thank you, out of all those vendors who had those products because, you know, they needed people to come in and, and manage and build and deploy them. But actually, the one negative out of all of that that I found from my career was there'd just be so much overhead involved in doing things. And you couldn't be dynamic, you couldn't be you know, strategic and say, yeah, let's do this, 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 and this without a lot of additional work. And that just, that makes life very, very difficult for people, I think. So 
you're right process behind the scenes has to change too so people have to change financial models have to change and as as people get used to that and change i think that makes sense too that you'll see people get more and more used to this sort of model so rob great um to go through all of that that's you know we talked about the hardware we talked about evergreen all very good so most important thing for anybody who's listening to this live today during the announcements is you know when can they get it how, how quickly is this stuff going to become available where can they find out more yeah absolutely well um you know if you haven't uh also a uh it's orderable today um uh, but b you know where can you find out more uh so a if, if you haven't uh attended accelerate um you know I definitely do that uh you know it's available digitally but also it's coming to a city near you right so uh, we'll be taking accelerate right. on tour uh, and so uh, if you haven't uh tuned into the announcements today uh, absolutely do that a lot of great information there as well as uh, the breakout sessions absolutely encourage you to do that um more information about Flashblade S uh, and Evergreen Flex in the website, um, uh, which should be up. So go ahead and okay. uh, visit there. And then, term, and then in terms of Flashblade, uh, it's available today. It's orderable today, uh, and so we'd be happy to talk to you uh, about that as well. Rob, it's been great to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. Congratulations on the launch. I look forward to digging into this more and learning more about it. But for now, enjoy the rest of the day, and uh, thanks for for joining me. Absolutely, great seeing you again, uh, Chris, as well, and uh, uh, enjoy the day. You've been listening to Storage Unpacked. For show notes and more, subscribe at storageunpacked.com. Follow us on Twitter at Storage Unpacked or join our LinkedIn group by searching for Storage Unpacked Podcast. You can find us on all good podcatchers, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks for listening.